Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, January 8th, 2021. And folks, look, the situation in D.C., it is spiraling out of control. First, this tweet from the president heard around the world. Here's what he says. To all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. By the way, maybe not a surprise, but still shocking Nonetheless, so much for a smooth and orderly transition. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are pursuing an impeachment vote. That's right. You heard it right. As soon as next week, a second impeachment of President Trump. No need to Google that fact, by the way. As you might imagine, a president has never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, never, ever been impeached twice. Oikavolt. And then there are the goons that stormed the Capitol. What more do we know about them? Were they some leftist anarchists involved? Were some of them out there? We're going to talk about that. Whatever the case, if you look up the term lowlife loser in the dictionary, you're going to see every single one of their pictures. All right. All of that on the show today. But first, I want to bring in the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, who is back with us on the show. Ken, hey, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Glad to do it. Hey, you spoke at that rally on Wednesday. Uh, where, where are you today on what has transpired this week now? You know what? It's 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 totally out of control. I never thought sitting there myself listening to the president talk and listening to others talk, it never occurred to me that that would turn into violence. There were probably 250,000 or more people there. They were relatively calm. I interacted with a lot of them. Uh, and I would guess that less than 0.1% of them actually went and committed some type of violence. For the most part, those are people that wanted to make their voices heard through the First Amendment about the election and their disappointment and how those elections were conducted across the country. And there's nothing wrong with doing that in America. We still have the First Amendment. Ken, and now you know what has transpired since then with the media. It's pile on time. Uh, you're getting blamed. Conservative media is getting blamed. Of course, the president's getting blamed. We're, we're all, everybody's an enabler. Everybody's an enabler because, uh, because of what happened uh, this week. What, what, what's your take on what the media is trying to do here? I'm not surprised. It's ludicrous. They certainly didn't do that this summer. Uh, they didn't blame Democratic politicians for inciting all of that. And look, people make their own decisions about what they're going to do. And I don't necessarily think that Democratic politicians for, should be blamed for what others do. It's People are responsible for their own actions. And just because you have a view on something doesn't mean that you believe that it should be uh, instituted by violence. We certainly would never agree that that's the right way to do it. I want to bring up a tweet uh, of yours. You've had a couple tweets about uh, Antifa or at least, you know, wondering whether or not these are really Trump supporters out there. What, what, is, your, what is your take exactly? Uh, as you even put this up here. These are not Trump supporters. Uh, what, what is your sense about what's really happening there? I mean, clearly a lot of them were, though. Yeah. And I think that, that we're just wondering, are we going to know? I, I would just like to know who those people were. I think you started the show by asking that question. Right. And I think that it's important to know who those people were and not just assume that they were you know, supporters of Donald Trump. They may have been, but they may not have been. They may have had their own reasons for doing it. I'd like to know who they are. What, as an attorney general, what should be, uh, how, how would something like this work in terms of prosecution, at least at the federal level? I mean, it was in D.C., so I, I don't know. That makes it a little bit more complicated, or does it? Yeah, no, I think it is a probably a, a federal prosecution, and they went into the federal capital, and so very likely mm -hmm. that, that that would be done by DOJ and, you know, federal officials. I just hope they, they, they take it on, because I think those people should be prosecuted for, for breaking into the capital and doing harm. 
I want to play a little bit of what Nancy Pelosi said, as you might imagine. Uh, here we go again with impeachment. Uh, I mean, I've just, this is all, I'm, we're in bizarro land here. I mean, this is all bizarro <laughs> land. I, I, I don't even know what to make of it. You can't, you can't write this stuff. I mean, literally, you cannot write this stuff. Uh, anyhow, uh, let's uh, play Nancy Pelosi. In calling for this seditious act, president has committed an unspeakable assault on our nation and our people. I join the Senate Democratic leader in calling on the vice president to remove this president by immediately invoking the 25th Amendment. If the vice president and the cabinet do not act, the Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment. That is the overwhelming sentiment of my caucus. Can your reaction? So I didn't actually, I couldn't hear the clip, but okay. the fact that she's focusing on impeachment right. during the last two weeks of Trump's administration makes no sense to me, given the fact that we still have massive economic issues. We have this pandemic still to deal with. We have the transition of government. There's so many issues that need to be focused on. Focusing on a, an impeachment during the president's last two weeks makes little or no sense and is just more about theater and politics than it is actually true leadership and, and making a difference for, for Americans that need help. You know, Ken, we mentioned at the top of the show, the president says he will not go to the inauguration. Uh, are you surprised at that or, or not really? You know, I guess I'm not surprised, although, you know, if it were me, I'd go. Um, that's his choice, but um, I'd certainly go. If, if I had the opportunity to go, I'd go. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, though, what, what do you make of the fact that he says he wants a smooth and orderly transition, and he came out with that nice statement, uh, that video that we saw, and, you know, it just seemed like things, he, he was pretty much conceding. He never said the word concede, but it, it seemed like a kind of a toned down Donald Trump. And then this morning, it's like, well, I'm just not going to the, to, to the inauguration. I don't know. It just seemed mixed messages, though. Yeah, I mean, I can understand his personal views of, of feeling like the election didn't go the way it was supposed to, that there was all kinds of fraud. And I, I think there's no doubt that there's, there's lots of questions about fraud in this election. He has legitimate questions about how this election was conducted and whether he actually won. So I understand his feeling, and it's certainly his choice as to whether he wants to go or not. Well, you might not be able to hear what we're about to play, <laughs> we're about to play next for you, but our audience will, and I want to play it. It was on yesterday's show. Corey Lewandowski, uh, I asked him, one, obviously a senior advisor to the Trump campaign, I asked him whether or not uh, he thinks that Donald Trump should go to the inauguration. Of course, this was before Donald Trump decided not to go. Uh, this is what Corey said, and I'll tell you on the backside of it. Okay, We're getting thanks. reports that Mike Pence will attend uh, the inauguration. Do you expect Donald Trump, I got 15 seconds or so, do you expect Donald Trump to attend the inauguration? What's your sense? You know, I don't know. I think for the good of the country, he should be there, I think, to transition from one administration to the next. He should. It's been a historical precedent to do that. So I would like to see him there, but I can't speak for Donald Trump on that. He basically, I don't know if you heard him, but he basically said no. I, he thinks that Donald Trump should go to the inauguration, but he's not. Yeah, I, I agree with them. I, I think that would be a, a good thing to do for the country. Even if you even if he knows in his heart that there was massive fraud and that maybe he should be the, the next president, I still think it would be a, a, a good signal to just show up and, and you know, he can continue his fight uh, even being out of office. But I, I'd encourage him to go. Ken, you led the fight, obviously, in that Texas lawsuit uh, with b a bunch of states there uh, regarding election fraud. Uh, any any regrets, if not with the lawsuit, uh, about how any of this went down and that we got to this point, uh, or, or you feel like you would have not done anything differently? 
No, I, I, I wish the court would have heard our case. I think it was an important case for the country. I think they, I think the court has to hear our case because we have no other place to file it against another state. And there are lots of questions about whether these states, we know they didn't follow state law. We know they didn't follow the constitution. So mm-hmm. now we have precedent set for the future as to how these states can conduct their elections. And I think that's a real problem. And it leaves Joe Biden in an interesting situation because so many Americans don't think he won the election. I would rather him be in the position if he is the winner where Americans feel like, you know, they could trust the election that that happened and support the president that we have. I'm assuming you were not only disappointed by what the Supreme Court did specifically, but what what about the Supreme Court and and why they wouldn't take a case like that? I mean, you know, they there's a conservative majority. Did did they just not want to kind of uh, get involved in any of this and and make things potentially a a combustible situation? Were they just kind of too meek to do anything? Now, it seems like they didn't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole, whatever the issue was related to the election. But the reality is they are the arbiter of these disputes, and the Constitution uh, puts them in a position as, as one of our branches of government, and they have to resolve disputes as uncomfortable as that may be. You know, whatever side they come down, at least make a decision about what the law is and don't run from it. Before we let you go, I want to ask you about all those peaceful protesters. I don't want to show any more of the, uh, I've been calling them punks. Uh, I don't want to show the punks. I want to show the peaceful protesters. Uh, and there were tens and tens of thousands uh, out there in Washington. And of course, and th- there, you can see the shots there, uh, Ken, and you spoke to them. Uh, what's your message to them? What's the future of MAGA Nation right now? Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that a few bad apples spoil the whole bunch, if you will, or at least in the, in the short term. What do you think the future future is for MAGA Nation as we move forward? Well, here's what I'd say. that Those people out there, for the most part, are great Americans, and they took time off from work. They spent a lot of money to be there. They wanted to have their voices heard. And so I have a lot of respect for what they did. And I would encourage them to keep asking questions of their elected officials and, and stay involved. And, and let's try to figure out a way that we can turn this around and at least make sure that we can trust our elections and not have you know, many, many states that have lots of mail-in ballots that are unverified. That's that's a problem for, for, for all of those people. It's a problem for me. What do you make of the Republican Party moving forward? I mean, it seems like they're, a day of reckoning is here. I mean, it, it's Magination, it's Trump, it's uh, maybe Nikki Haley and Tom Cotton and some other folks, Josh Hawley, they're going to run for... I mean, it just seems like the Republicans are trying to kind of morph and figure out where they're going as a party right now. Well, I don't think that's unusual when you end up with a, a transition out from the presidency. I think that happens almost every time. And I think we're in that position. We're in that position of finding out who is going to lead us, what direction are we going to go. And I think Republicans are going to have to decide what that direction is. Ken Paxson, always great to see you. And don't think we didn't catch the Dallas Cowboys signage and helmets behind you, by the way. They're America's team, so I had to have them. <laughs> well, you've started a new controversy, Ken. But <laughs> All right, Ken, uh, Ken, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right. Uh, that's Ken Paxson, the Attorney General of Texas, on the show. Uh, we've got a lot more show uh, coming up uh, later in the show. Rick Green is back. We have him on the show a lot. He's America's Constitution coach. He's going to talk about the 25th Amendment, what it means, and whether or not it would ever be invoked. By the way, don't think that's happening, but we will talk to him about that and also impeachment. In our next block, Doug Weed coming up. A presidential historian wrote a book about Donald Trump. What is Donald Trump's legacy moving forward? We're back in a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. 
Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. All right, uh, look, as we told you at the top of the show, President Donald J. Trump will not attend Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th, uh, which is interesting because he wanted, he said the other day, he wanted a smooth and orderly transition. Here's what the president said just yesterday. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election, and emotions are high. But now, tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated. So that is uh, Donald Trump talking about, uh, eventually he talked about a smooth and orderly transition. I want to bring in Doug Weed, uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, author of the book Inside Trump's White House, The Real Story of His Presidency. Doug, great to see you, sir. Hi, David. Good to see you. Well, you, you know this president. You've written a book about him. You've spent some time with him. Uh, give, give us a sense of what do you think might be going on right now uh, in this crazy week that we've all experienced? Yeah, I think uh, the president was caught by surprise. Uh, uh, The Capitol Guard was caught by surprise. The national news media was caught by surprise. The Democrats were caught by surprise. He didn't tell people to go down to the Capitol to riot. He said, let's go down to the Capitol. And he assumed that these million people, and there were, the news media says there were 50,000 or something, but uh, people on the ground who've been to multiple of these events and inaugurals tell me it was a million. He said, meet you down by the Capitol. So everybody was surprised when they broke in because people on the right don't do that. People on the left burn down churches and come up to policemen and shoot them point blank in the face and hold cities hostage and break into stores and steal their jewelry and their television sets. We were all shocked. (laughs) People on the right, they don't make a mess. 
<laughs> you know, Doug, I, I've got to tell you, this president has had quite a few accomplishments in his uh, first term or and now his only term in office, uh, but it's ending ugly. Uh, it's ending like this. Uh, so, so from a presidential historian standpoint, what is your sense of of what this might mean going forward? I mean, in the short term right now, it doesn't look too great. What, what's going to happen, do you think, in the future with this president? Well, you, you said it. You put the two together, the fact that it's ending ugly and the fact that it's great accomplishments. That's the problem. Uh, just stop and think. Joe Biden won the election. You'd think Donald Trump won the election. Joe Biden is the winner. And yet his first public statement is attacking Donald Trump. <laughs> what? <laughs> he says he wants to unite the country and it's all about Trump and the election's over and it's still about Trump. I think this hangs over their head, the fact that he was able to achieve everything that Hubert Humphrey and LBJ ever wanted for the poor. And the prison reform, everything that African-Americans wanted in this country, he was able to get it done. And peace in the Middle East, the first president in right. 40 years not to have invaded a country. So you said it, it's coming to an ugly end. And if the Democrats could invoke the 25th Amendment, if they could talk Pence into doing that, uh, they'd do it. If they could impeach him in these last few days, they'd do it. You but history will take a long view, and I think it'll take everything into consideration. Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask you, because I was wondering if you think it tarnishes his legacy at all, this stuff at the end. It does, but I, I think uh, with a little bit of time, uh, it'll heal. And the powerful things that occurred, I mean, you just, you, you compare, six presidents sought energy independence. I had Gerald Ford in my home on multiple occasions. He would have cut off his right arm if he could have had energy independence. Donald Trump did it. Presidents promised to move that embassy to Jerusalem. George W. Bush was so upset at Bill Clinton, he said, I'm going to do it on my first day. Clinton didn't keep his promise. I'm going to move it on my first day. And in eight years, he didn't move it, but Trump did. So I don't think you can erase all those years. And I think history will treat him kindly. Knowing Donald Trump as you do, what's your sense as it relates to his future? Do you think uh, the way it ends here, I mean, I can't imagine that means a 2024 run at this point. It just seems, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but what, what was your sense? Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way when he, it looked like he had lost the 2016 election early in the evening. He told uh, his staff came to him and they said, we got all these people waiting at the Hilton. What should what should we do? What should we tell them? What are you going to do? This was 530 in the evening. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go downstairs, meaning out on Fifth Avenue. I'm going to tell the media I tried my best. I'm a patriot. Then I'm going to get on an airplane and fly to Ireland and play a game of golf tomorrow. <laughs> so that was in 2016. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on a plane and goes, plays a game of golf. But I don't believe it's over. I believe that we're going to see missteps. Look at uh, already the president-elect. His misstep is attacking Trump as his first event as a president-elect. <laughs> he wants so to unite the country. Uh, I think there are going to be some dramatic missteps. And before you know it, people are going to say, bring back our Trump. Really? So I have only 30 seconds, but you say you don't think it's over. I, what do you mean exactly the missteps? I'm trying to understand what you're saying. About 25 seconds. I think that it's very possible he could run again if he lives. He's oh, I an see. old guy. 
I so see. he could remember Grover Cleveland was the 22nd and 24th president of the United States. There was one in between. Right, right. I got you. So in other words, Democrats may overplay their hand and, and Trump is right back at it. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Uh, Doug Weed, always great to see you, sir. Thank you so much for being here. Good to see you, David. All right. Uh, from Doug Weed to Rick Green. We've got Rick Green, America's Constitution coach. He's founder of PatriotAcademy.com. He is with us next. He's a friend of the show. You know why he's a friend of the show? Because he's got information on the Constitution. Back in a moment. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, I don't know. You can't probably see it underneath the desk, but I've got, uh, look, I've got an IV drip of prescription meds going straight to the arm. Uh, after this week, uh, I, I, I'm walking around with it this week. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Oh, I know. How about the Constitution? Uh, let's bring in uh, Rick Green, America's Constitution coach, founder of PatriotAcademy.com. Rick, uh, you're back on the show, and thank goodness for that. Good to see you, sir. Hey, man. Uh, I started to say good to be with you, but, you know, hey, just uh Glad to be anywhere at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, I don't even know where to begin. We started this week talking about the 12th Amendment and Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, and now we're talking about the 25th Amendment. I mean, I, I don't, Rick, look, this is what they want to do. There it is, Section 4. Why don't you go through this 25th Amendment? They're talking about invoking it. Pelosi wants Trump out. It, it, it's the ultimate cancel culture, right? I mean, they're literally going to try to cancel the president with the 25th Amendment meant to be used in a situation where the president is uh, completely uh, unable, uh, unable to do his job. Uh, it deals with mental and, and, and physical illness, nothing like what we're dealing with right here. In fact, specifically was not supposed to be used for political differences. Uh, so it's an abuse of power, frankly, on Pelosi's part. This is typical, frankly, Marxist tactic where you project on the other side that they are the insurrectionists when you're doing the exact same thing, that they are causing a coup when you are, in fact, the one uh, part of the coup. But here's what it would take. They would have to get the vice president on board, half of the cabinet on board, and two-thirds of both the House and the Senate on board. House and the, I mean, a vice president and the half the cabinet would initially invoke. The president would respond and say, no, I'm totally fine. Leave me alone. And then the uh, vice president and half the cabinet could then ask Congress to intervene, and you would literally have to have two-thirds. David, this is a much higher threshold than even impeachment. And so even talking about it is nuts, but they're doing it because they're trying to destroy the Trump legacy. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, here's the no-brainer question of the day. I mean, what's the point of all of this anyhow? I mean, really? You, you got yeah. 11 days left, really? This is just what, uh, to, to stomp on the Trump grave, if you will? Oh, no, this is to, this is to bring us together, man. Oh, this is the, my bad. Healing. That's right. This that's is right. how you heal a nation is you totally silence the other side and destroy them. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a signal that that they are basically saying we have control of the entire federal government now and anyone who opposes us will be destroyed. David, did you notice they have literally they, they've literally said that Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz 
should be put on trial for sedition and treason. Unbelievable. For using the Constitution in the same way that Democrats have done for the last three Republican presidents, of which Nancy Pelosi said it was democracy at work. Yeah. I, I mean, the hypocrisy is off the charts, but it's also dangerous. You're talking sedition and treason? That's punishable by death. Right. And that's the, that's the language of these people who are saying that Trump's rhetoric is dangerous. They're the ones with the dangerous rhetoric. No, that's, a, that's an actually an excellent point, Rick. Uh, listen, you mentioned impeachment. Uh, really? The, 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 I mean, Democrats are dead serious about this. They're, they're going to introduce articles of impeachment. Uh, they're going to they're gonna try, I'm assuming. What do you think, Rick? Are they going to impeach the president again? A second impeachment? Rick, what is going on here? Think about this. What do we got, 11, 12 days left? Uh, it, it, it's, it, it, I think they've, you know, we've been using this phrase, Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> I think this is going to end up in the medical textbooks yeah. because- I mean, clearly it's causing these people to act in a deranged way, but they may try to do it. I can't. I mean, obviously, you got to get, you know, two thirds of the Senate, even if they get a majority of the House, even getting a majority of the House. The margin is so much closer now than it was when they did this last year. I'd be surprised if they could even get the votes in the House. But but just to remind people, uh, all it takes to impeach a president is a majority vote in the House. That's right. The impeachment only takes a you know majority in the House, a conviction would require two-thirds in the Senate, which they couldn't get last year. Maybe maybe they've somehow ginned themselves up into thinking, if we impeach him and we convict him, we have the option to prevent him from ever running for office in America again. That's one of the options in the Constitution that you can do with someone that's been impeached. And so maybe this is all preemptive of 2024. Well, Rick, as we as we come to a close this week on a Friday, you've had a chance to kind of reflect at least for a couple of days on, on what has transpired this week. Uh, what, what, what's your kind of overall take of uh, there's so many negatives to talk about. Are there any positives? I mean, is there anything? I mean, where does the Constitution stand after all of this? So what should people know? I mean, it just seems like we need an informed citizenry citizenry. I can't say that word out there for sure. I You know, David, you know I'm an optimistic guy. Yeah. I, I always give you a positive outlook at the end of, of whatever we discuss. But I got to tell you, January 6th was probably the greatest victory for the left in America in our history. It was the worst day for those who love the Constitution and love the rule of law and uh, and love our nation. And, uh, and and it started off great. You know, when as you and I were talking uh, Wednesday afternoon after a few of the speeches had started, uh, it was wonderful to see. People just cut, ha, actually have a real debate, give the merits of, of their position. I actually enjoyed, of all people, Adam Schiff uh, giving his speech on his side, and then Jim Jordan and back and forth, and it gave us a chance to really come, let us reason together, let us debate, and then let's make a decision. And and then, of course, that was cut off, and, and uh, when they came back, there was very little of that. It, it, it turned into sanctimonious speeches, and, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a bad day, bad day for America. This presidential election is over. Uh, the people who broke the law have won. Uh, but now what needs to happen is we all need to participate at the state level. That's where this really becomes important. We need to fix the election laws and tighten up election security. Yeah. We need to get rid of the COVID fascism and the whole emergency powers and, and governors acting like dictators. And those two things can be done at the state level in our state legislature. So every citizen needs to be involved. We all play a part in this, and you can have a lot more impact at the local and state level than you can at the federal level anyway. Um, the leftists have control of the entire federal government now. It's time to work at the state level 
and there are some very good things we can do there. Rick, 20 seconds or so, but there's a lot of folks that are just throwing up their hands saying, I'm out, I'm done. This is ridiculous. I'm not, you know, what happened in Georgia and all. I mean, they're just going to say, forget about it. They're, they're, they're not, they're not going to take an active role. They're going to say, we're going to lose every election from now on. Definitely don't do that. The worst thing we can do is give up and go home. Uh, no question the system in some ways is rigged against us. I've coached a lot of Little League, and sometimes you got to beat the other team and the refs. That's just the way it goes, or umpires, I'm sorry. And so it's important for us to realize no matter what the odds are against us, we do our duty and we leave the results up to God. I believe we can win these things. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. There's some tough years ahead. Stay in the fight. Rick Green, I know you will stay in the fight. Really appreciate you being on the show again. Thanks, my friend. You bet. Thanks, David. All right. Rick Green, which, by the way, a 10 out of 10 on the Skype shot on a separate kind of like narcissistic, like a vanity note. All right. We're back. Back in the morning. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, you know, we've been dealing, obviously, a lot with the Electoral College and about all, all of the mayhem from this week and constitutional issues. But let's take, I, I can't even say take a break and talk about the COVID vaccine. That doesn't that even make any sense. Take a break and talk about COVID? No. But uh, that's kind of what it's come to this week. Uh, we do want to talk about COVID. Uh, by the way, the Associated Press reporting, uh, and look at this, a vaccine rollout uh, hitting a snag as healthcare or, excuse me, health workers bulk at shots, and it goes into a key statistic here. Uh, in essence, basically more than three three weeks uh, into this uh, vaccine campaign, some places are seeing as much as 80% of healthcare workers actually saying, "No, thank you, we're not taking we're not taking the vaccine." So we want to get some uh, perspective on this from from uh, our good friend Dr. J. Uh, it's not the basketball player. I apologize, Dr. J uh, from Stanford Medicine. Great to see you, sir. Nice to see you too, David. Uh, so what do you make of the fact that you've got many, I mean, a majority of healthcare workers, at least in places, according to the Associated Press, that are just not going to take this vaccine? I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate, especially if they care for older people. It's, it's pretty vital that they have the vaccine so they don't have any risk of spreading disease to their patients. Yeah, well, tell me exactly more about that as it relates to what, why they, I mean, they're obviously concerned that they, this thing is just not you know, test it as much as they want. And there's a lot of concerns about it. I mean, it is understandable, I would think, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, mean I, it, I understand it, of course. As, as you know, as you look at the data, there are side effects from the vaccine. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, whether the side effects uh, would lead you to not take it, well, that depends on your circumstances. If you're over 70 or over 65, where the, the risk of COVID is so high to you that if you were to get it, um, the vaccine makes much more sense than for someone who's, let's, let's say, a child for whom COVID is not that deadly a risk, and the vaccine side effects would, I'd say, overwhelm the, the, the case for taking it. But for a, a healthcare worker to not take it, especially healthcare workers that care for the elderly who have a professional obligation to not pass the disease on to their patients, I think that's really unfortunate. People who don't want to be guinea pigs, I think that's the issue here. Yeah, I mean, it, the vaccine has been tested, right? So it has a, is a, a randomized trial behind it. The FDA has looked into the to the to the um, 
the the safety profile of it. It looks, you know, I, I, I we all wish it were the the safe, you know, safer in some sense, but it's 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 a pretty safe vaccine, um, and uh, it's a very effective vaccine at preventing someone from getting COVID. Um, and as I said, again, it, it'll depend on your on your circumstance. I mean, I can I can understand a, a 30 year old who doesn't see patients who's who doesn't have any risk of passing the disease on to an 80 year old not taking it. I mean, there's that's a that's a different calculation than a healthcare worker who sees patients for a living, especially older, vulnerable patients. Uh, they have a they have a professional obligation, I think, to not pose any risk to their patients. Uh, you know, what's interesting to me is that if you've got roughly, according to the Associated Press, 80 percent of healthcare workers in certain places not wanting to take the vaccine. Uh, and you just mentioned here that, you know, if you're just a 40 year old who's not a healthcare worker, you can understand that. I'm wondering how many people are just going to end up not taking this vaccine. I mean, if you've got healthcare workers that are not, not wanting to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think there that is certainly another knock on effect. It will. Um, I mean, people will t- talk about vaccine denial and, and you know, anti-vaxxer. I mean, it's basically that's got if healthcare workers don't take it, it makes this anti-vaxxer movement more or less mainstream. Right. Yeah, Which is, would be a very unfortunate outcome of this. We're seeing some deaths. I mean, there has been reported deaths. Uh, there, there's at least 11 deaths, apparently, according to uh, some folks out there following the COVID uh, vaccine uh, drug itself. Yeah. So. What, what do you make of, go ahead, Dr. J. You know, I was gonna say, I mean, I've seen some of that. The, the question is cause and effect, right? So there, you need to do some careful investigation. I mean, it's funny uh, that we, we, we have this deaths from COVID versus deaths with COVID debate, where we assign a death to COVID, if, if you just had COVID, whether or not it actually was the causal thing that led to your death. Here, we have the same thing. We have 11 deaths followed a vaccination. We don't know for sure that the vaccine, we don't know, I mean, we have to do some investigation to understand if it was the vaccine or something else. Um, I mean, my understanding is that that those that, that uh, I mean, it, it, those deaths are not from the vaccine. Uh, but I think, you know, we have to be careful. We have to keep tracking the data. This is something we should be watching carefully. And, and, just, and you know, we are, as, you, as, you, as in the data you pointed out up up there, you, we track this very, very carefully uh, when um, when if there if and when there becomes evidence that this is a deadly vaccine, which I, there is not to the to date. Um, then we would we would recommend stopping it. I think I mean like I said, this is a pretty well tested vaccine. Uh, I would it, of course it would be better to have tested it for longer, but we're in the middle of a pandemic where COVID itself is deadly for a certain part part of the population. You know if you're over 70, um, so I think you know we have to use the vaccine the right way. The right way is vaccinate older people, vaccinate people who treat older people. Dr. J, how much should we trust these uh, COVID uh, case numbers? Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I just want to be very clear. I mean, COVID's very serious, obviously. People are dying from it. Obviously, we have a major pandemic on our hands. So, so let me put that out there as a caveat. However, uh, you know, we've heard reports. You go in for a broken leg, and then they test and do all these tests, and all of a sudden you got COVID, and uh, now you're a COVID case. But you went in for a broken leg. I mean, I mean how, how do you measure the cases? It just seems like it feels a bit haphazard. It is haphazard. It actually, it very, very much is. I think this is something that ought, ought to be looked into uh, more carefully. And I think people are, st- are starting to, to, to do that because COVID um, deaths are counted differently in some ways than other deaths. Right. So the the uh, uh, and that there's incentives, for instance, the hospitals get paid 20 percent more if they are treating COVID patients that they're treating the similar other, other non-COVID patients. They get a 20 percent bonus. Um, I, th- I think so. I think uh, thinking through this, care- like looking through the data carefully, is the only way to tell. That really, people, no one's done this as yet. Unfortunately, it's just hard. It's hard work because you have to go through 
the medical data and make an assessment. Did, did the person die of COVID or did they have something else? It's hard. Um, I don't think that's been done yet, but it's a really important question that we'll have to address going forward. I probably should know the answer to this, but I don't. You, you mentioned about the 20% more if they're a COVID patient and, and there's a, a larger payout or that type of payout. Uh, where is, the, is that from Medicare or Medicaid? I mean, I'm trying to understand how, how, where, how that came into be, how that came into be. I mean, I think it was part of the, I think it was part of the initial CARES the Act. The first uh, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 20% bonus for Medicare Part A payment for COVID. Yeah, that seems a bit problematic, if not, uh, you know, uh, makes people skeptical about all. It just adds to the skepticism here. Yeah, it adds to the skepticism. But, you know, part of it is that is, I mean, it, it, there was a good reason for it initially. It was just the hospitals are going bankrupt because we told them to empty the, stay empty because of COVID, and many of them didn't have COVID. Um, and initially, caring for COVID patients was more costly. So there was some reason for it initially. Should we should we keep it up and should we keep doing it? I mean, it's 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 a it's something I think the the next Congress should revisit. Yeah, Dr. J, uh, Professor Stanford uh, Medical University. I really appreciate your your time here. Thanks so much. Oh, it was a real pleasure to be on. All right, we always love having Dr. J on, uh, and he and he took time from his busy day because typically he does basketball in the evening. Because uh, I don't know if you know, he's an all-star. He's like 65. Well, I don't know if he's 65. I can't tell you that. But he, he's, after, he's older than 60 for sure, and he plays basketball in the evening. He's a doctor during the day. That's impressive. By the way, we're about the truth. And honestly, I just lied to you. That's not true. He doesn't play basketball at all. But he's always on the show, so that's nice. Uh, Dr. J, uh, and you, you can look him up. Uh, his last name, kind of long, so we just go with Dr. J because we're pretty simple here at the water floor. All right, back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So uh, welcome back to The Last Sip. Uh, we've got some pigs on the desk, so give us a moment. Uh, it's been a stinky week. <laughs> uh, that's Go, go. Uh, look, I mean, it's been a crazy week. So we have pigs on the desk. And these pigs, by the way, have been on the desk before, but we figure we bring them back this week because it's, like I said, it's been a very stinky week uh, in Washington and, quite frankly, in our nation. And we, we know why it's been a stinky week. Bunch of punks. That's right, I said it. Bunch of punks, there they are, just fighting with Capitol Hill police. Um, I, I, once again, I, I don't even know what to say, but here, here's what I will say as part of the last sip. They are not uh, MAGA Nation. They don't represent MAGA Nation, and I know the media is going to tell you uh, that they are part of MAGA Nation and that they represent all of MAGA Nation. Guess what? Let's yell it out together. Fake news. That's right. Fake news. The media will continue to tell you that all of those peaceful, loving protesters in Washington, D.C. were the same as those crazy punks who stormed the Capitol. It's not true. And by the way, you know what they're also going to say? They've already said it, and they're going to continue to say it. They're going to say that if you were a Trump supporter just sitting in your home somewhere in Illinois or California or Florida, and you go out to Olive Garden in the evening and you like Trump and you don't want to see any of this violence, but hey, you know, you're just like a normal suburban mom and dad and all that, and you're just a big Trump fan, 
You're one of those people too. You're an enabler. Did you know you're an enabler? That's what the media is going to tell you that you are, that you're an enabler. Give me a break. The media is lying to you. The media is 100% lying to you. And, you know, it's interesting that the media talks all about how Trump has stoked the div a division in this country and his rhetoric. And Hold on. Uh, do I have a mirror, Madison? Do we have a mirror? I guess not. All right. I'll tell you what. Here, I'll just uh, look in the mirror. Hey, media, look in the mirror. Because guess what? You're doing the same thing. You talk about uh, Trump uh, stoking divisiveness in this country. What about you? Every day, anti-Trump, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. He's the, he's the anti-Christ, all of this type of stuff. And, and, and oh, by the way, you've got fear-mongering headlines. The world is coming to an end. Trump supporters are stupid. You have stoked it just as much. So this idea that Trump is to blame and you and your nice little ivory tower are just fine, give me a break. And you know it, too. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to even hear. I got a lot more to say. Next week, more with Daniel Payne on the media in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. All right, uh, it's the end of the week. Boy, it's been a long week. I need a Calgon bath, FYI. Uh, let's bring in Daniel Payne uh, with JustTheNews.com, uh, who has been working on a story about, huh, shockingly, media hypocrisy uh, and the rallies that have been taking place. Or, excuse me, the I shouldn't say the rallies, but the march, and then, of course, the break-in and the storming of the Capitol. Hey, Daniel, good to see you, sir. Dave, always good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us, what, what do you got up on JustTheNews.com uh, that people can go check out? Well, you know, we found when we did a, a review of media coverage from over the past year, we found that the media uh, has uh, perhaps unsurprisingly been covering, uh, as you said, the storming and the riot at the Capitol much differently than they covered the riots of last summer. And of course, we'll all remember those uh, which occurred after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Uh, riots broke out seemingly in, in the or, you know, protests and demonstrations, and in many cases, riots broke out uh, in seemingly every major city across the country. And what we found was that media types uh, were much more willing to call those incidents uh, unrest or protest uh, or, or kind of downplay the violence associated with them. Uh, while with the riot this week, they were much quicker to call it uh, properly a riot and to highlight the violence that occurred. So it, it was definitely a, a notable uh, gap between the coverage from last summer and the coverage from this week. Well, and shockingly, we're not going to get that story uh, on CNN.com uh, or we're not going to get that story anywhere in the mainstream media. It does seem like the perspective is really important here, correct? Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things we looked at was several uh, CNN commentators, including Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. And uh, it's kind of funny, Don Lemon, in the midst of, uh, of the unfolding violence last May and June, uh, compared it in, in some ways to the Boston Tea Party that uh, was one of the matches that lit the fuse of the American Revolution. Uh, and of course, this week he was, uh, you know, uh, you could argue appropriately condemnatory of the violence that occurred at the Capitol. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's an odd, uh, arguable double standard to see, uh, you know, between the, the contrasting approach to, to covering violence. 
Yeah, Daniel Payne uh, with JustTheNews.com. Really appreciate it. I'm assuming that when you leave, you will leave through that door behind you, or is or roughly there's something you'll just go that way, right? Or no? You know, actually, I I, I gotta be honest with you, Dave. I haven't been out of this room in about ten years, uh, so I'm not sure what's on the other side of that door. <laughs> All right, Daniel Payne uh, in seclusion uh, there in the closet room. Daniel, <laughs> thank you so much. Listen, I'm just I'm not giddy. That's not the right word. I'm just kind of like uh, losing it because this has been a crazy week. Uh, so I guess we're going to see you on Monday. In the meantime, over the weekend, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a bubble bath.